Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have the beautiful, soulful wellness entrepreneur, Patty Kikos. Patty is a counselor, a kinesiologist, energy healer, a Reiki master, and senior Kundalini yoga teacher. She is renowned for inspiring visionaries and entrepreneurs to make incredible internal transformations that magnify their effectiveness and impact on the world and has presented at many yoga and wellness festivals over the years. Patty has an innate ability to demystify timeless teachings that makes ancient wisdom, deep spiritual teachings and advanced energetic practices easily accessible through her sessions, workshops and e-courses. Her methods quickly help you transform your chakras to balance your glands, strengthen your nervous system, dissolve stress triggers and unleash your true energetic potential. Patty believes in the power of unity, philanthropy and activism, as well as advocacy and education. But most of all, Patty believes that if we are to be of service to others, we must first take care of ourselves and understand how to balance, align and transform our own energy. When Patty is moonlighting as a sought after wedding celebrant, she's usually watching a sunset walking her dog or trawling for vintage. So now it's time to get your chakras tuned into the show. Welcome Patty Kikos to I Am Woman Project. How are you? Oh, I'm so well. How are you? I'm good, and I thought we better start recording because we're having a wonderful conversation <laughs> about our dogs and how much they've changed our that. lives. <laughs> we should be recording this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? It's wonderful to ha- to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I was just uh, saying to uh, Patty that uh, I love what you do and talk about multi-talented individual. You do, like you mentioned, you're a wedding celebrant, you're a kinesiologist, mm-hmm. a yoga mm-hmm. teacher. I just love the variety and I'm curious as to which one came first. Oh, wow. Uh, I have to take you back because when I started working for myself, uh, they all started at the same time, which, you know, in hindsight was not the smartest business decision, but um, it, it definitely kept me honest and in my heart. So if I rewind back, I actually started my career as a social worker. 
right. back in the day. Yes. So that's what I was qualified in initially. So that's where the counselling background comes from. Um, so I went to university and then thought, oh, God, I don't think I can be a social worker and, and, and help people with their lives when I need to get myself sorted. So I went travelling for several years and came back very ready, very idealistic um, to be a social worker and to, to change the world as I thought I could at the time. And uh, worked uh, in Sydney's inner west for a while and even in Sydney's outer west. And before long, I, I felt that there was a lack of spirituality in my ability to practice professionally, but also in myself. So I decided that I was going to do everything that I loved for a living because uh, no employer could give me what I wanted. So I decided that I was going to find it for myself. So I made a promise to myself that I would do everything that I loved, as cliche as it sounded. And I became uh, qualified in the art of kinesiology and energy healing, um, coupled with uh, the counseling skills that I already had. Um, I was also working as a dancer at the time and, and teaching people how to salsa and to samba. So I used to go to yoga classes and I think all of the uh, rehearsals would wreck my body and all the yoga would fix my body. And I got sick of oscillating between the extremes. So I nabbed a yoga teaching qualification um, and then just because I didn't think that I was doing enough, I was a wedding celebrant as well. So they all started at the same time. But they're all beautiful. When you think about it, it's all about getting into the heart, isn't it? It's all about love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's holding the space for transformation. Yes, that's exactly it. right. And with the kinesiology, is it something that you actually uh, went to a kinesiologist to experience it and go, wow, I love this and I want to learn about it? Or was it something that's you That's exactly read? what happened. No, that's exactly what happened. It was when I was studying um, my energy healing course and um, one of my fellow students found a kinesiologist and it was actually her that trained me um, and taught me to be a kinesiologist. So not only did I initially go to her for healing, but she was running workshops and I said, I, I need to learn from you. And she said, well, I happen to have a space. Jump on board. We start next weekend. Wow. I love kinesiology. I've been going to uh, my kinesiologist for about 10 or oh, I don't know how many years now, but I just love it. I think it's pretty amazing yeah. what comes out of the sessions and, and mm -hmm. what you think uh, it, you're okay with. Your body tells you differently. Cellular memory is fascinating, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I find it myself, no matter how, how well I know someone, no matter how long they've been coming to me, and I think, oh, you know, it might be related to, you know, that incident with your dad all those years ago. No, lo and behold, we've gone down a different energetic pathway. Oh, it's it's humbling. It's it's It never ceases to amaze me and to humble me and to inspire me, the healing properties of the body. I know. It's amazing. It's like having lots of different I call them circuits, but they're roads, and it depends on which road or pathway you go down. Uh, you will tap into something new and something different, you know. And even sometimes, my kinesiologist, her name's Marianne, she'll say, "Oh, something would have happened at the age of four, and I really might not be able to connect with it there and then, but it might be like days later, and I'll go, oh, I remember what happened.'" Mm. Mm, yeah, it's the same with me when I have a session. It's like I don't remember, but then I don't always need to remember. My body remembers, and when I'm activated with a similar stress, my body has the expectation that the same negative outcome will occur. So that's another thing that I love about kinesiology and clearing. We don't have to go into the story. We just can clear the energetic pathways and create new circuits, like you said. I like that analogy that you used. I think it's very accurate. Mm. 
Yeah. So you do lots of things because I, I actually was just complimenting on your website how I love that you've used the technology side of things to bring um, to light your chakra course, for example. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to actually. So the chakra course started when I became qualified as a yoga teacher. So initially I was a Hatha Vinyasa teacher and I got qualified as a Kundalini yoga teacher. And Kundalini yoga is it's one of the most beautiful practices in the world because it works quite deeply into your nervous system and into your glandular system. So you're, you're really fine-tuning yourself and clearing energy from the inside out. So when, uh, when you practice yoga and it's like an Ashtanga tradition or an Iyengar tradition or even the Hatha Vinyasa tradition and you've been practicing for many years, some of us end up with the ability to effortlessly contort our bodies into pretzel-like postures. And in Kundalini Yoga, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, that, that aspect is neither here nor there. In Kundalini Yoga, you strengthen your nervous system so much that you're no longer triggered by stress. So stress will still exist and we need a certain level of it in our lives, but it's no longer going to be something that is greater than you or something that's going to be overwhelming you. So you're building nerves of steel so that, yeah, sure, you're still triggered, but what might have taken you a week to overcome might take you a minute or might just be like water off a duck's back. And I love that. And it also works quite deeply into your glandular system so that your body can secrete the hormones that bring your entire glandular system into a state of balance, which is just beautiful. So, yeah, you know that a kundalini yogi has been practicing for a long time when they can keep their arms up, say, at 60 degrees for half an hour without necessarily shaking involuntarily, whereas when it's your first class, after the first couple of minutes, it's like, oh, my Lord, I'm going to die. (laughs) Yeah, and and what is that? Because, I mean, I've done Hatha Yoga. I haven't done the Kundalini. I have heard of it. How is it different to Hatha? Oh, you'll have to come to my next workshop so I can help you pop your Kundalini Yoga cherry. Oh, I'd love to. (laughs) Yeah, and I'd be honoured. Well, it's different to Hatha Vinyasa because in a Hatha Vinyasa class, you're in sync with the teacher's instructions. So everyone is more or less going in sync and in flow with one another. Now, in Kundalini Yoga, each sequence, or we call it a set or a kriya, is based and it targets a specific part of the body. Um, It could be the throat center. It could be your pancreas glands. It could be your kidneys. It could be your liver. It could be all sorts of things. Um, And each exercise, so usually each set or sequence has maybe five to eight exercises, which doesn't sound like a lot, but each particular exercise is held for about three to five minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that repetitive movement is what helps raise the energy so that when you inhale at the end of the sequence and you apply what we call the locks, which is like a neck lock and a root lock, it's like a nice little contraction that stops the energy, when you exhale, you're exhaling much more than just your breath. You're actually releasing toxins, you're releasing old emotions, old thought patterns that are no longer in your highest alignment. And the great thing about it is, well, a couple of things. One is that you do it with your eyes closed And two, so it's quite an internal experience because we see much more with our eyes closed when we're not distracted by what everyone else in the room is doing or by something on the wall. And then you go at your own flow, at your own pace. So um, you can go as slowly or as quickly as you want to and you don't have to be in sync with your neighbor. So it's quite a personal experience. So the whole class might be doing the same sequence, but everyone's getting what they need from the sequence, which is beautiful. So Kundalini Yoga and Chinese medicine, they, they're related. They're close. They're like, I, I'd say I'd call them first cousins. Maybe not brother and sister, but they're like first cousins because you're working, it's strengthening the meridians of the body. 
I'm big and, on Chinese yeah. herbs. Are you? Yeah, I go to an acupuncturist. Uh, I have been done done for so many years, and um, you know, this I joke around sometimes when I, I leave my session after doing some cupping and some uh, acupuncture. I get this bag, and it sh- it looks like he's just popped out in the back of his yard, picked up some bark and some leaves and some bits and pieces, and said, "Here, go home and boil this in hot water, and then drink it." And it always tastes disgusting, doesn't oh, it? It's gross. Yeah, <laughs> but so good for you because it's you know mm-hmm. every time I have gone there for whatever reason it's it's I've always been healed always. Mm, mm, I love that. I think you're going to love Kundalini yoga. You're definitely going to have to pop your cherry with me. I've decided. Oh, oh, I'd love to absolutely. So, Patty, what drives you? What makes you jump out of bed every morning? No one has ever asked me that question, and I'm pondering it. I'm I'm placing it in my heart so I can give you a heart-centered answer. I don't want to give you a wishy-washy, let's be polite, Western answer. So, okay, you know what drives me? The desire to be happy. I want to be happy. That's what drives me. So even if I'm doing something that I consider mundane, um, such as paperwork or taking the trash out, or I, I I want to be happy in every facet of my life. I want to feel light. And when I feel light when I am happy and I mean genuinely happy I vibrated a very high frequency and I my capacity to love my capacity to receive my capacity to be generous and of service is is greater exponentially greater that's what drives me my desire to be happy and it's so simple isn't it I remember I met once there was a lady who I used to always speak to who used to clean the toilets and she used to always sing always be happy and she she, this is a long time ago but I remember her saying to me that in life it doesn't matter what you do it's what you put into it Mm. and it's it's and I would agree with that Mm. yeah you can put joy into anything Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm so I agree with that yeah yeah that's that's true I want to wake up feeling I want to wake up feeling happy I want to wake up feeling grateful that I live a five-minute walk from the beach much like you and that I I have created this reality this isn't just luck because luck is what you do with your um with your experiences every single experience that you have so that's yeah what drives you oh good one good one I think for me I have uh, this drive that if I'm not helping people, I'm not on purpose. And so for me, I get a big buzz out of working with other people and seeing them, uh, you know, tapping into that potential of theirs or, um, you know, transforming in some way, shape or form. That drives me. And I love do- doing what I do because it doesn't feel like I'm working a day in my life. Oh, sister, we're cut from the same cloth. You're speaking my language. Yeah, and I think you're the same too. But the fact that that the the happiness piece is what drives you that mm. would have an onflow effect with mm. all the people that you touch, all the people that you work with. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you know this yourself. But the people that I work with, you know, from ten or eleven years ago when I first started, they're very different now. Because um, I was a yoga teacher, I was a dancer when I started, and I I no longer want to hold the space as a teacher. I don't want to be up on that stage or that podium instructing and showing you what to do. I want to sit in circle. We're all equal. So I I take pride in the fact that the people that I come across um, in my professional life, whether it's a, a fabulous couple that I'm going to marry 
or it's someone that's come in for a kinesiology session, they're people that I wouldn't ordinarily cross paths with because I'm, I am I know I come across as being quite gregarious, but that's probably my paradox. I'm the gregarious introvert. So I, I do keep to myself. I don't tend to be social. I don't go out very much. And when I do, it's usually a one-on-one with friends. It's not usually in a big group. So it means that I don't get to cross paths with people in my personal life that aren't in, in my very small circle. So in my professional life, as a result, the people that I cross paths with are amazing people that I could sit with and have dinner with and share a meal with and be inspired by. So I'm not that teacher. I'm not on a pedestal. I'm, I just happen to be good at this and you happen to be good at that. And when I need this, I'm going to call on you. And that has changed my life in the last few years. Yeah, I'm very much like you. It's not about me. I always say that I learn from when I'm running classes uh, I, I sit with them as well and we're all equal and I learn mm. as much as I I give. My, so I mm. impart knowledge and that's all. But from them sharing their knowledge, I'm, I'm always learning. And even doing a one-on-one coaching session, and I was just saying that the other day with a, another interview that it, it's interesting how um, – when we need to learn the very thing that we need to learn, it comes out in conversation or it comes out in a coaching uh, Yeah, I believe that. Yep, and I, believe I, and that. I learn, I walk away going, wow, that's, I needed to hear that or I've mm-hmm. learned so much from this session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm. So, Patty, with the benefit of hindsight, what would you have done differently in your life or career? Oh, if I had a shoulda, woulda, coulda moment. <laughs> yes. Hmm. If I had a sure, I let's have a look. I try. I try not to have them because I. I. I don't want to be the sort of person that lives with regret because I feel like that lesson that was hard where I got my ass handed to me it helps me make much better decisions in my future. So um, I, I do. I must say I do have a few shoulda, woulda, coulda moments, but the big one is that work doesn't have to rule my life. I'm a reformed workaholic. Hi, my name's Patty, and I used to be a workaholic. And I there's a number of reasons why that was the case. Um, it's part of my DNA. Both my parents um, were workaholics before they retired. Um, and my busyness was a way of me dealing with a lot of angst in my life. Um, and it was a way of escaping so that I wouldn't have to deal with a lot of pain and trauma at home. And yeah, so, you know, that's how it habit formed. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing that I do differently. It's like, you know, honey, you, you're just, you're going to be a better worker if you're happy. You, you're worthy of having a wonderful personal life. You're worthy of being loved. You're worthy of switching off. You're worthy of having fun. Yeah. I, I can relate to that about the whole workaholic thing. And I, as much as I say, oh, this year I, one of the things was I'm going to simplify my life mm-hmm. and hence why I moved a lot of stuff or been working on it for the last couple of years, moving stuff online so I have more of that time. But it's 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 just an un, unconditional habit. As soon mm-hmm. as I have nothing to do, ideas come through and then I've got to mm-hmm. you know, keep myself busy. And I know that. I think that, you know, deep down inside of me, the reason I'm keeping busy is probably a self-worth thing. Uh, because you know that the imbalanced archetype of the solar plexus, usually when you're balanced, you're a warrior. When you're uh, deficient, you're a servant. And when you are excessive, you're a workaholic. So you feel like you've got to go above and beyond in order to be acknowledged. It, I hear you, sister. Yes. 
So how do yeah. you balance that? So because I'm I'm aware of it. That's one thing. And and like mm-hmm. I said, I I'm uh, creating this space where I can mm-hmm. sit back and um, be more smarter in the way that I work. But I still mm-hmm. get pulled into projects and I'll go, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's almost like I give myself the space and then it gets filled up with other stuff. But it's it's hard to be the person that is creative where you also make your money from what you're creative about like we do, right? Right. Yeah, I understand because sometimes I'll think, yep, Saturday is a computer-free day and I'll walk, I'll, I'll take Ruru for a walk and we'll sit down because he's a little bit older now so he can't work, walk as far and I'll sit down and I'm like, right, I know exactly what the next blog post is going to be and I'll sit down and on my phone, in my notes, um, create like a 500-word a document and I just think, you know, that's just part of life. And I just think, okay, that was it. Don't have to edit it. It's raw. It's full of a lot of grammatical errors, but I'm just going to leave it here and it's already done for tomorrow. And I just had to go with that moment, but it's hard because, oh, funny. I, I say this now because I'm in the middle of a blog post that is, you know, the paradox, the, the connection between being disciplined but also honouring your resistance when you just don't feel like doing something. How do you change that? Oh, I think it's an ongoing process and mm-hmm. I think it's not just a, a simple answer because I know that we know it intellectually, but it's about getting our body cellular memory to say, hey, you know, this day off, why are you jittery? What's going on? What's behind this? Or do you need to be busy or do you like to be busy? Do you feel like you're important when you're busy? Can you say no to things? That's also that you know you asked me before if I could do something different or what did you say you said with the benefit of hindsight would I have done anything differently that's right and yeah and the thing that I've learned now is that I am so much more defined by who and what I say no to versus who and what I say yes to and a lot of that for me I don't know if this is the case for you but a lot of that was but if I say no will I ever get an opportunity like this again Mm, yeah like it's come into my life so it's come into my life for a reason. I have to say yes. And I just think, oh, my goodness, if I could speak to my younger self and even myself two weeks ago just quietly, I'd say, sweetheart, what is meant for you will never go by you. It Not only will it come back, it might come back in better circumstances with people that are in your highest alignment. So that's a, yeah, that's been a great lesson for me. Mm. Wow. So talking about younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, my Lord, I would sit her ass down and I would give her (laughs) such a good talking to. I would tell her to know herself, to know your boundaries and to be comfortable to say no. And I would would tell her to love herself and to accept her needs and to fill herself up with what nurtures her first so that what she gives to others is going to be a natural extension of herself. I would tell her that um, it's okay to move away from certain friendship circles. It doesn't make you disloyal. It just means that your vibration is going to lower if you don't update your circle of friends because that's been another lesson of mine. I've always felt bad when I, I needed to sort of step away from a circle of friends thinking, oh, God, does this make me a bad person? And I'd say, no, it doesn't because the people that you spend the most time with are going to affect you energetically and if they're doing things that are not aligned with your value system, it's going to impact your own frequency and it's going to interrupt it in ways that are going to really set you back. 
I agree with that. I've I've had I've made choices uh, over my time um, to disconnect myself with certain people only because we've just grown apart. We've gone in different directions, and our mm-hmm. vibrations are not aligned anymore. And I yeah. think that it's really important to honour that and not feel guilty, mm-hmm. but to listen to that intuitive or that gut feeling mm-hmm. that you know it just doesn't feel right being with these people anymore. And mm-hmm. it's not saying that you know they're better, I'm better. It's not about that's just that we're a different vibration at all yeah oh yeah yeah if I could speak to myself of of several years ago um you know I'd say sweetheart you know this person um you're making up excuses for their really bad behavior because you've known them for so long and you just don't need to be you know so entwined in their lives and in their circle of friends it doesn't have to be dramatic it doesn't have to be I'm not aligned with you anymore bye it can just make them a loving acquaintance instead of being so close to that it can it can happen gracefully it doesn't have to be dramatic no that's true and it's a matter of also you know I think that if there's um things that uh uh, I guess you know rub you up the wrong way is probably a way to describe it or that frequency just doesn't feel right um and I think that the more that we stay in that kind of energy we're almost uh encouraging them to continue to behave this way uh because we've allowed them to behave this way for so many years uh, but as we become, for me, the more that I um, appreciated who I was and learned to love myself, I'm not there 100%, I'm still learning to love myself, but the more that I've starting to learn to love myself and respect myself, it's interesting how I started moving away from different environments because mm-hmm. I just felt like it wasn't aligned to where I wanted to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I hear you. And sometimes people are meant to be in your life for a finite period of time. Um, and it doesn't mean that they won't come back. You know what I'd really teach my younger self? I'd say, you know, patty cakes, you've got to really think of the world in terms of a third, a third, a third. Have you ever heard of this concept before? No, continue. <laughs> no, continue. <laughs> you sound like every member of my family, direct to the point and passionate. I love it. Um, so the first third, there's three thirds. The first third are people that you are inexplicably drawn to and that you have a beautiful connection with. So think of your partner, your best friend. It has nothing to do with what they look like or what they're wearing. It's almost something that can't even be put into words. You are just aligned. You are just appreciated, adored, loved, respected, revered, and really supported. And then you've got the second third. So your second third are people that are indifferent. So these are the people where, for instance, you could pass them every day or nearly every day or work in the same building um, and not really necessarily notice them. And then you could meet them several years later and you could both say, hey, I used to live on this street. Oh, so did I. We must have gone to the same coffee shop but never noticed each other. You just your, your frequencies weren't harmonious. It's neither here nor there. There's no ill will. There's no ill feeling. And then you've got the third third, where no matter what you do, what you say, how you dress, how you act, you are never going to be aligned with their values and they're never going to like you. Like, have you ever heard of Kim Kardashian? Yes, I have. Do you like her? Um, no, I don't. Okay, but do you give a shit that she doesn't like you? No, I don't. No. There you go. There's your third third, baby. Right. There's gotcha. your third third. So. <laughs> What I would tell little patty cake, my younger self, I would say, you know, if you so if you're wanting everyone to like you, or back in those days, I really wanted to be understood by everyone, you are wasting your time on two thirds of the world that are never going to give a downward dog about you. Mm. They're just not. So if you consciously plug into that one third, 
you're going to be supported with people that are already resonating with you. And hey, like it can potentially get complex because even within that one third, that one third can't be aligned with every facet of your life. So for example, um, my mum and dad are in my one third, but when it comes to my work and my professional life, it's not something that they necessarily understand. They're more the people that anchor me to this earth as opposed to the people that meet me up on the cerebral planes that I can hang out in. Mm. And that's okay. That doesn't make them – it just means that I, work isn't something that comes up and I discuss because I don't want to set them up to fail and I don't want to set myself up to be disappointed that I wasn't heard when it's just not their thing. So does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's just a wonderful concept that also means that – you don't have unrealistic expectations of certain people within certain relationships. You can really act accordingly and not set yourself up to be disappointed or to have unrealistic expectations of someone that's just not aligned with your values. Mm, I, I, I was in, curious as to what you were going to say because there was something similar that I was told a long time ago uh, as in the third. There's one third you've got friends for life, another third it's friends for a reason and the other third was friends for, for a season. So it's that same concept, friends for life, the ones are going to be with you forever and Mm -hmm. friends for a reason. It could be to do with work or you're Mm -hmm. working on projects or whatever that may be. Or you worked at the same company because you were meant to meet their brother. Yep, 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 got it. And then the season piece, I mean, it's true. There's, you know, in summer if you're you're going out to picnics and whatever, there's there's seasonal friends that you see only in summer or only uh, when you, you know, it's somebody's birthday, that kind of thing. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I just love your your energy. You're amazing. So it's uh, it's oozing out of this uh, whole podcast here. I'm, oh, right back at you. Right I, back at you. Oh, you just wait till we stop recording. I've got some juicy stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Patty, tell me, what keeps you up at night? Miss Catherine, what a question. This is um, – this is interesting. And to be honest with you, my love hearts to heart, what keeps me up at night is the fact that I don't feel like I'm contributing enough to humanitarian issues. So the fact that in some countries, women and children are still being sold as sex slaves and they have limited access to education and have less rights than their male counterparts. Yeah, that shit really pisses me off. And I was born on International Women's Day. That's my only claim to fame, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, rampant pollution of our oceans, especially with the dumping of rubbish in third world countries. I was spent some time in Bali last year and went to see the oceans, and there's just there's no awareness of of, of what happens when they get polluted like that. Um, the lack of understanding and respect for Mother Earth in general, mm. um, and and for those that are, re- are listening to this podcast in real time. What um, befuddles me, what I grapple with is that someone like Donald Trump is even a contender to be the next American president. <laughs> the mind boggles, boggles, boggles. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's quite funny though when you think about it really. You have to laugh at it. Ridiculous. You do, otherwise you get upset. But the mind boggles, it's ridiculous, just ridiculous. And the treatment of women, I, you know, I think in this Western world we think we have more rights than um, a lot of our, our, our Muslim sisters. We don't. I mean, how how much do – um, women's images get photoshopped and how unrealistic are images and, and don't get me started on pornography sites. And, you know, there's the, the rise of the divine feminine is really here. And I think that feminism and even extreme radical feminism was a great step, but now it's time to not necessarily bash our male counterparts and brothers. No, not in any way, shape or form, but, but just to say, hey, this male energy is uh, about a lot of drive and about a lot of action and a lot of 
consequence, but there's no heart and that is missing and that is not sustainable. Mm, so true. I love it. I, I'm just curious too, going back to your chakra uh, course, could you tell us a little bit about what our listeners um, may be expecting out of the e-course? Exactly what is it? Uh, you know what? You did ask me and I went off on a tangent. No, so that's I okay. That's fine. That. Um, okay, so basically um, this is what happened. This chakra course was born because when I became qualified as a kundalini yoga teacher, one of the things that I was taught was about the practice, uh, about the importance of a, a daily practice. And in kundalini yoga, we do the same practice every day for 40 days because it's said that it takes about 40 days to change a habit. So I started doing this and at first it was with a lot of resistance. Oh my Lord, the same thing every day. Just take me to the middle of the paddock and shoot me. It's better. However, having said that, the amount of times I've been able to either clear blocks or clear debt or stop drinking coffee or manifest a certain sum of money because I focused on it every day for 40 days has been, I, I can't even use two hands to count it anymore. So when I started teaching yoga, a lot of my students would say, oh my God, that Kriya, that sequence we did tonight, what is it? I want it. Give me. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to photocopy it for you. Do it every day for 40 days. And they could do it because they'd already done it or they'd been my regular student. So they didn't really need instruction. And then it got to the stage where someone would say, look, you know, I kind of need you to tell me what to do. Can you just record it? And so I did. And then I thought, you know, I, I think that I could do this for the seven chakras of the body. So the seven energy centers along the spine. And in Kundalini yoga, we consider the aura to be the eighth chakra. And so I thought, you know, let's do it. And then it, it, it started from there. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know, let's put a workbook together where every day I tell you a, a, like 40 different things about each chakra. Or, and then I thought, you know, let's add a meditation in there. So each Kundalini yoga sequence is only for half an hour so that you can still go about your day-to-day -day and you can take the sequence anywhere you are. You can do it at home. You can take it on holidays with you. You've got the meditation. So if you only have time to do one thing, you can do the meditation. There's a gratitude journal because I believe um, in the importance of gratitude. Like why you, you know, what three things are you grateful for and why are you grateful for them? There's also opportunities to create um, vision boards and mandalas for each chakra. So that's what you would get. You also get a couple of bonuses, well, about eight bonuses of shorter sequences that you can do. Um, and they're all tailored to boost your immune system and work on the different glands of the body so that you feel balanced. And whether you're deficient, which means the energy, there's not enough energy to bring that chakra into balance, or whether you're excessive, which is you've got too much energy that you're not harnessing the medicine of that chakra, whatever it is, whether you're deficient or excessive, by practicing every day and dedicating your intention to clearing whatever block might have come up or dedicating your intention to manifest that goal that you so desire, it's going to help to focus on it every day for 40 days. I just love it. It's, yeah. Uh, it sounds very exciting. I'm going to look into that. Mm. So, Patty, if we were to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would be that one word? I don't think I can do it. You've asked me this before and I just don't think I have one word. I think you might need to help me here. <laughs> so I, I always look at, I guess, what what uh, maybe if you seek external yourself and be the observer of you, how would you see yourself? So what do you, uh, what's your legacy? What do you bring to light? That kind of thing. What do I bring to life? Oh, that's interesting. It's an interesting phrase that you've coined because my running joke, and there's always truth in jest, my darling Catherine. There is always <laughs> truth in jest. 
So my running joke is that I might have a visual impediment, and I do. I wear either contacts or glasses, um, but I can always see the light in you and I can help you find it. But that's not one word. That's a massive sentence. Mm. You're a, oh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to see like a seeker. Uh, oh, I don't know what that one word is. I see what you're saying. See what I mean? It's yeah. too, I'm, I'm far too complex for one word, Catherine. <laughs> what are you doing to me? No, if you can't pick one word, that's fine. You're a, you yes. know how to shine the light on people. Yeah, that's my joke. I, I might have a visual impediment, but I, I will always find your light and I'll help you find it yourself so you can always magnify it when you need it. I like it. So it could be just mm-hmm. the light, you know, that could be your word. You, you find the Lighthouse. light. Lighthouse. 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 There you go, See? Lighthouse. See? I needed to have this conversation with you. Beautiful. That is perfect, <laughs> the Lighthouse. Yes. That's very powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Patty, what we do at the end of every show, we ask our woman of inspiration to share three golden nuggets with our listeners. So what would be your top three golden nuggets that you would like to share with our listeners? Okay, so I would say plan well so that you feel confident about what you're going to do, but be really detached from it going your way. So surrender that outcome to something that might possibly be even greater than what you had envisioned. And that's going to help you with non-attachment and it's also going to help you be open to receiving assistance because that's going to accelerate your abundance. Um, There's no such thing as a mistake. So if you take the experience as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to transform, it will always be your gift and it will be the medicine you can share with people. Um, And the last thing that I would say is work with people that you have a soulful affinity with and be as open to the dynamics between you shifting. So your growth is dependent on your ability to be flexible. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a true believer. There is no such thing as mistakes or failure. There are yep. opportunities, and that's you yeah. And I think if you've got that kind of mindset that everything is an opportunity, it helps you move forward and not get stuck in the yep. mistake or whatever yep. has happened. You know, depends on yeah. how we label it. I agree. Or perpetuate this constant story of you. Oh, I failed. I fa-. you didn't fail. You really didn't. But if you keep saying it, it's going to send mixed messages to the universe. Mm. Absolutely. I love the non-attachment. I have to say that that's one that I had to re- – it took me a long time to understand. And it's, oh, yes. It's, it's it's one of those that when you manifest, you know, like I do vision boards and uh, you mm-hmm. know, every year I work on my three main goals and my vision board and, you know, mm-hmm. this is how you manifest. And I do spend time visualizing and I do spend time on it. Then how do you do that as a non-attachment way? Do you know what? My work taught me to do this because I have a feeling that by nature, I, I, I think I was rigid by nature. And so, for example, being a kundalini yoga teacher, definitely being a counselor, you've got to be flexible. Um, but being a kundalini yoga teacher and being a celebrant has really taught me to be flexible because, well, first of all, as a kundalini yoga teacher, I would go to my regular classes and I don't teach regular classes anymore because I've got my online program that keeps me nice and busy and I've got workshops that keep me nice and busy. So, um, 
Yeah, and I'd go to class planning this most elaborate, wonderful um, sequence that was also tailored to suit some beautiful music that I'd put a playlist for. And then lo and behold, there'd be five or six new beginners and it just wouldn't have been appropriate for them. So I had to learn to come prepared to teach about three or four different things and be okay with it, not be attached to one in particular. And that's still how I run my workshops. I'm not attached to just teaching one sequence because I don't know who's going to turn up on the day. So when I sit there, that first moment where I say, hey, everyone, thanks for coming. My name's Patty. That's when I decide which sequence I'm going to teach. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, Kundalini Yoga did that for me because I think I was a bit rigid and a bit like, right, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You just can't with Kundalini Yoga. You've got to be flexible with the energy. Otherwise, you might be taking people on a journey that they're not quite ready to go on. And that is not responsible. And then as a celebrant, again, you know, I um I, I don't mind admitting that I have a little bit of OCD. So I, I'm quite uh quite thorough in my planning and you kind of have to be as a celebrant because you're holding the space for someone's very important transition in their life. So you don't want to stuff it up. And the amount of times and I, I like to say, you know, let's plan meticulously, but let's be open for beautiful opportunities. And there's been a couple of things that have happened during ceremonies that were, I can assure you, not planned in any way, shape or form. But they're the moments that people are still talking about. One of them is when the page boy broke out and cut a flower and brought it to me. Oh, wow. I know. And the other was when there was a haka. Someone's little nephew came from overseas. And we weren't planning this, but after the signing, he did a haka and we all cried. Oh. Um, yeah. And there was another thing where someone's um, little niece who was disabled we didn't think that she could read, but she'd been practicing. So she did a reading that the bride and groom hadn't even planned for, and I had to keep it a secret from them. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I didn't know until the day when, um, you know, the bride's sister came up and said, look, I know you're the celebrant. I know that they've planned this, but this is what I've done with my daughter. And I knew who their daughter was. I knew about the circumstances um, around her disability. And I had to make a call then and there and just go, um, I'm about to cry and I've got goosebumps. That's my body's way of saying I need to do this. Um, and I'm just going to pull this off. And it was amazing. Yeah, so that teaches me that, you know what, the universe has – I might be a meticulous planner because I have OCD, but the universe always has greater plans than what I could ever put together. Oh, that's just beautiful. I just love it. You've just given me goosebumps. Mm. So, Patty, where can our listeners find you? Ah, I my social media handles are all at Patty Kikos, P A T T Y K I K O S for Sally. Um, my website is pattykikos.com and the e-course is 40daychakrabalance.com. And I'm going to check that out myself. I can't wait. So, Patty, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and wow, lots of energy, can I say? Because my pleasure. I am too. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor. It's so, it's so wonderful to be here, and I really, I treasure it. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love this uh, conversation between us two. So, thank you once again. My pleasure. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts.
That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.